0: Today on the show, what was once a dream is now a frightening reality for those who don't listen to our podcast. There and welcome to The Lost Cantina, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite people in the galaxy far, far away. I'm Jaden. And I'm Kevin.
1: Welcome everybody. Welcome to episode six of Ahsoka. Uh, this one this one is is, I think, has like we had one of the coolest entrances of like a pre-character um, you know, that we've seen before, but now. Uh, that's all I'll say that cause the spoilers, you know, obviously heavy spoiler warning for this episode. Uh,
0: Basically legends fans are eating tonight. They are dining on a feast, a veritable banquet of shit, if you will. And
1: as per usual, you all know, we're going to do a brief synopsis of the episode and talk a little bit about the quotes and stuff, but we have a lot of, uh, lore, to touch upon here because there's a lot of little tidbits and Easter eggs that happen in this one that if you didn't pay attention, you you do miss it. It's cool. You'll see it, but you might miss it. Um, the other thing too is the theme of this episode. Uh, we, we've kind of talked it over a little bit. And I think we both agreed that this theme uh, for this episode, it's, it's almost touched upon in every scene. Yeah. And the theme is, that of decisions and making decisions and their outcome as well as kind of like a mix between the philosophical thought experiment of fate. Right. And if we truly have free will or if our decisions are really our own, or if maybe what is presented in front of us is predetermined and influences us to go to a specific choice that really, because it's predetermined and those things that are thrown into us are predetermined, we might actually not, you know, have a real free will choice. Yep.
0: But before we get on to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Those of you who listen to us before, you know the deal. We love to hear from our listeners, so please feel free to email us at thelostcantinapod at gmail.com with your thoughts and episode ideas. You might hear it in a future episode. And of course, you connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at thelostcantina.
1: Now, I know we're doing the Ahsoka episodes and we want to get these finished before we start pumping out the other episodes. Yes. Uh just be aware as soon as these this is finished, we have stuff that is going to be a little bit different than just talking about a
0: show. Yes. So look forward to that. It'll be a lot more a lot more theory, a lot more explanations and explorations of themes and ideas in the Star Wars universe, but we want to get through this first because well, we love talking about it, and the writer's strike is over, so we're just trying to trying to get this done so we can keep talking about Star Wars at the end of the day. Now, before we dive into this one,
1: obviously, as per usual, if you haven't watched the episodes and you haven't watched this one, go do that. What are you doing? You're, you're crazy. You're being silly. Uh, but watch them. And uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be a really fun episode. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, though, and uh, we'll get into it. Okay, now that we've taken a quick break, here we go. Let's, let's, go, let's dive into this one.
0: Yes. Uh, the episode begins with a discussion sequence where Hu Yang and Ahsoka discuss what happened with Sabine and how they both feel about the situation. It starts to set up the theme for the entire episode that we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, it starts with the sounds of the Pergil coming through what we can assume is basically like them swimming in space, but like oceany. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because we're seeing, like, hyperspace, but, like, dialed up to 12. Yeah, it's cool. There's colors. It's not, it's yeah. not just blue and white. You, you wrote in the script, uh, they went to plaid, and I'm very happy about they that. They did. That's the, I've, I've said it, like, three times now in the episodes, like this one and the last one. Like, like, they went to plaid. They went to plaid. You know, they, they're, they're inside of a whale right now. Hu Yang is amazed by it. He's like, you know, wow, oh, man, I really have done it all. And Ahsoka's not really, like, I don't know, she's not really phased by it, but it's I'm kind of like, come on, lady, you're, you're, you, you tamed a space whale. Enjoy yourself a little here. She starts to talk about how she remembers some of the stories that Hu Yang used to tell her, like, while they were on their journeys. And he says, History of the Galaxy, Parts 1, 2, and 3. And there's a theory out there that that is referring to the prequel trilogy. And then Ahsoka says, One being the best, of course which Kevin also wrote in here, debatable. Hey, you know,
1: I... I'm calling you out episode. on this
0: because it's not debatable. Three is the best one. Yes, thank you. Three is the best one. I, I agree. Three
1: is the best one. But, I, okay, two, in my view, forgettable. I'm sorry, but Two's I... Get... Prequel, two is the worst one.
0: Of the prequels, two is the worst one. And overall, it is the third worst one, in my opinion. Yeah. Of the nine, and, and the third episode worst one. one, though. I
1: like episode one. I like Phantom Menace. I think it's really good. Do I think it's the best out of the original three, like prequel trilogy? No, no, no. But it has some of the best music.
0: It has so it has pod raising, which dials it up to at least you know it it at least really breaks into the top six for me. It has pod racing All that, right, that okay. elevates it. So Huyang asks if he wants if uh, Ahsoka wants to hear a story, and she says no. And he asks if she has a story for him. And she gets serious and starts talking about how she knows Sabine went willingly.
1: Now she tells him that she knew that the decision Sabine made, you know, she knew what it was and purposefully didn't tell Hera. Yeah. And I think the big thing with her not telling Hera, like that's just one of those things where she doesn't want to disappoint Hera. But also I think it might it might make Hera want to like go with her and all this other shit like it, it I, I think ahsoka knew she needed to do this alone and didn't also want to like muddy the water with hera
0: in any way until ahsoka has all the facts of the situation i don't think she wanted to burden hera with that knowledge
1: yeah and now ahsoka is kind of mesmerized how one decision could
0: get everyone make or killed
1: break <laughs> everything right yeah literally so she even said she's like you know would there would be no war there would be no you know thrawn none of this shit and then hu yang just looks and says and no ezra and ahsoka gets it right like she yeah. understands it. she kind of like nods but she's still like a little tiffed and she says she was fated to make that choice yep but ahsoka clearly is kind of juggling here with the whole match between choice and fate. And she's a little bit like having difficulty with that. She even says there wasn't enough time to prepare her to make the right choice, which I find odd because if she was fated to make that choice, right? Yeah. How could we have prepared her to make the right choice? Because if it's fate, what's the right choice? Is that really a thing? You know, like already we're into the thesis. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And also the thing you remember too is... Uh, Star Wars deals a lot with absolutes Mm -hmm. and if she was absolute like like in her mind the absolute right choice was to do whatever to save Ezra
1: yeah I mean Hu Yang even says the force provides you with insight but it does not give one all the answers yes and then he says perhaps for Sabine it was the only choice and Ahsoka says a choice she made for herself and he says that is your fear Again, she already had fears, you know, with the Anakin episode, like she was supposed to be facing a lot of those fears. But and he calls her out, obviously. Mm -hmm. But this philosophical discussion here is basically going to be the continuation of the whole episode. Like it it just every scene we're going to you're going to touch upon it. So now we've gone from fate to choices to her fear. Right. So there are multiple philosophical thought processes that she's having with this droid, which I find really interesting because to have a droid be the one to have this kind of like discussion is really is something not yeah well it's like it's not a living creature if you will in terms of like uh biology and organics but technically if you think about like what what they have as a consciousness like we are planning on by the way talking about this in a future episode talking about like what is the consciousness of a droid and are droids like alive and that kind of stuff but I just think it's interesting that she's having this discussion with a droid. Um, However, this droid clearly has, you know, insight into the force and has like a lot of understanding of it. So I found that to be really, really interesting.
0: We're going to have a whole episode about this, but just to preface what you're saying uh, for the audience, um, there's a theory that droids need to go through routine mind wiping or memory wiping in order to maintain their base programming if they do not they end up developing a personality so then the the debate is whether or not that yeah. personality could be considered sentient and we're going to get into that in a whole episode dedicated and I can't wait to talk about that yep. and how yeah our yeah. favorite star wars characters might technically be slave owners but we'll get into that later um but with yeah. Hu Yang's case he has been around for like 1000 like, i think they said thousands of years or, or a yeah, thousand yeah, yeah. years or something long ass fucking time and he's dealt dealt with a lot of jedi and learned a lot of experiences through that so like he has he's built up some so he kind of has what people could consider you know and a soul or a consciousness so he you know yeah. can, to make his own decisions
1: so after this question and and this kind of discussion ahsoka's like clearly like okay I'm done so she says uh she does want to talk uh about one of his stories and he ends the scene by saying, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away.
0: We all did the Peter Griffin point at the camera. Uh, he said, I, I, I was more like the uh, Leonardo, like, oh, 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 oh. So after this, it switches to follow Sabine on her journey. Uh, the next scene takes place in the Eye of Sion in its remaining time, you know, heading towards wherever they're en- going to end up. And Sabine is waking up in her cell Kevin put on her uh, imperfect eyeshadow.
1: Dude, her makeup's like fucking pristine. Like, oh my god! I was like, damn. Who did they have a makeup artist like on the ship? Was one of the droids like,
0: I got you. You'll look great when you wake up. Honestly, I it would not put it past Sabine to have her makeup in a certain pouch on her belt. Like, true, just, true, true. If she's stressed, she make does her makeup. I could see her doing that. Oh yeah, that would that would fit with the character. She starts to get up. She's you know. Looking around, she starts pacing, and then all of a sudden, uh Balin's skull just pops up and she wittingly says, I was hoping for a room with a view. And she was not necessarily prom you know, she's not necessarily not promised that she wouldn't be a prisoner, but more like someone who joined on the journey. And he wasn't really happy about the treatment that she's been given, and he replies with, um, I would I would think this would be an opportunity for reflection. And she responds with, I try to avoid that. And he replies really quickly with, I can understand why. Nah. And then he leaves her. <laughs> he just walks out and he's basically basically like, yeah, you're a child. I'm leaving, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love how petty it is.
1: <laughs> so he left her to go to the bridge, right? And yep. the man, I got to say, the man is an absolute unit. This guy's fucking huge. Yeah, and I know man. we've we've talked about this before, but man, his presence on screen is just insane. Like, he, it, he just yeah. really has this commanding presence. Um, it, it really is one of those things where, like, you see him on screen and you're like, whoa, I don't want to fuck with this guy. And I will say it again. I will say it again. Matt Bidel is my choice for, for Baylen skull. They're the same height, same build. They look very f- similar. He can do accents up the wazoo. Like that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, I did
0: see someone pitching Nick Offerman and I was like, I don't hate that. Nah, I don't hate that, but I I don't know.
1: Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, he meets with Elspeth and Shin, and Elspeth asks how their prisoner is. And Elspeth then asks if he's going to keep the prisoner, you know, still. Like he's like, Are you still going to keep her as a prisoner? And he says uh, that her focus to find Ezra Bridger blinds her. And he believes, he goes, I believe she can still be of some use to us. As he says this, they exit hyperspace and we see the ISI on approach this ringed planet called Peridia. We get. A great lore dump in this scene. So, Elspeth claims that it's, quote, the ancient homeworld of my ancestors, the Dathomiri, end quote. Woo! That was a nice little, uh... What? I loved it. I thought it was uh, yeah, finding great. out that that, that's, that changes the game in terms of, like, where they came from, right? So, Balin talks about how the Jedi archives had information on this planet, but only that it was a migration route for star whales, as he calls them. And he says, you know, they go and die, right? Like he mentions a little later in the scene, he's like, it's a migration route for them to go and die. So Elspeth claims that her ancestors were the first to harness and ride the Pergil, which is fucking cool yep. because that means that they had, th- that means that they had this ability to do this for a, like, a long time but it's one of those things where she did not think that ahsoka would be able to do that which i think is a miscalculation on her part i don't see why she wouldn't be able to like that,
0: that yeah that doesn't make sense right to
1: me. right so then it said that quote paradia is a graveyard so as the eye continues to go to the planet we see that the ring around it is made up of bones of dead Pergil. so i found that seeing this decrepitness of death brings this like new perspective on these creatures like we thought based on the knowledge that we've been presented prior that we were seeing these more mystical in nature kind of creatures right like there, there wasn't like a shit ton of info on these guys and and they were kind of cool and mystical, you know. We don't know how old they are, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, we but don't know where they come from? Yeah,
1: exactly. But now they're just like any other creature, almost. Um, and to see this kind of side of them, you know, like the the side of death, it kind of adds almost an even more different type of mystical nature. Like I found that to be very at first I was like, Oh, now they're just like any creature. But now I'm, as I thought about it, they're kind of like even more mystical. Like they go to this one planet to die, this one planet and their bones become the ring. And it's like, wait a minute. What, what's, why are they so special? If they're also all over the place, like what, I don't know.
0: I find these creatures to be fascinating and I want more lore. I I think immediately the setup for this planet is fantastic. And Oh, brilliant. I think, I think uh, it's, you know, it's, slight 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 spoilers we're probably gonna be seeing more of it mm-hmm. even going beyond the next couple episodes um but I, th- I just think like the idea of like there's just so much lore there's so much new stuff that can be found on this yeah. planet is just so cool to me and i'm like i'm they they know how to set it up and i'm very excited especially with just that little detail i love that the the bones like the the planet itself surrounded by bones of dead Ancient creatures that can traverse the galaxy.: This sick. It is very cool. All right, so back in her cell, Sabine is met by guards and shin. They take a small ship to the surface. Everyone, everyone on the ship p- piles in this little little RV camper, and they fly down. The weather is not great. There are giant storm clouds all over the planet, and as they get through the storm, they see giant monoliths of what we can assume are the night sisters. It's so cool. It's so cool. And the planet is a complete wasteland. Yeah. There's like water and stuff. It's like a weird swampish. I got Mandalore vibes a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I got Mandalore vibes, but I also got like, this is going to sound really weird, but like when you look at like, um, like Greenland and like,
0: oh the, yeah, like, yeah, they're,
1: they're like with the the sections where they have like, you know, like, um. Or even, like, Scotland, like, really North Scotland, right? Like, where it's just, like, grass and, like, lots of rock and, like,
0: streams and shit. Like, that's what it looks like. So, Balin looks at Ellsbeth, uh, but she doesn't break her view on the structure head. She's just going, looking straight ahead. A giant building on the side of a mountain ridge. They land on what appears to be, like, a launch pad. Mm Mm-hmm. And as they exit the ship, they're greeted by three women dressed in red. Whoa. It's so cool. It's like, oh, right away, I'm like, oh, fuck, these are Night Sisters. Yeah. I'm so excited. On top of the structure is an almost identical temple to the one on Cetos, but this one looks different. This one looks like it's been maintained. Yeah. It's like
1: brand new.
0: Yeah. The sisters they meet are 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 they start to communicate and they turn to Elsmith and Elsmith bows her head as they call her a child of Dathomir. It's so cool. It's so which, sick dude. Which which I was I'm I'm curious with that because they they said this the planet is the ancient home of the night sisters, right? Mhm. And they're calling her a child of Dathomir but she they consider it themselves so I'm like I'm like is Dathomir just the name that they adopted for the planet that is in the Star Wars universe?
1: They just like kind of take okay. it and
0: take it and plant it. Cause like, wouldn't this okay. planet that they're on now, if this is their ancient home, should shouldn't that be Dathomir?
1: Okay. Okay. Makes sense. By the way, fun fact, the main night sister, or also will we'll get her new name is played by Claudia black from like Stargate and stuff like that. Oh, she really? A badass dude. Yeah. Huh. I didn't realize it at first. And then I saw it in the credits and I was like, wait a second. And I had to rewind and I was like, holy shit. But yeah, it's it, she she's in like every sci-fi franchise. I fucking love it. Start shout out to my Stargate fans. I wish I could do a
0: Stargate show. I love Stargate. Stargate. Stargate's pretty fucking cool. So Elizabeth uh, acknowledges the one as the great mother. And that's her, by the way. She says, uh, you heard our call to you in a dream. And she replies, your visions guided me across the stars. And Elizabeth seems like she's fucking starstruck. Like, it's great. She's it's yeah, like, sure. these are the people that like have been in her dreams. Yeah. And, you know, this just kind of shows how strong she is if she can communicate through galaxies. Dude, the grandmother's scary. Shin just says to Balin, more witches. Eh. Like, yeah, you're, you're just fucking underestimating that sentence there. Yeah, right. The grandmother says uh, she is glad they came just as Thrawn promised. As soon as his name is mentioned, Elspeth asks where he is, and they explain he is on the way. Now, this next line has had some discussion online quite a lot. We, we hear a deep rumble, and one of the mothers says, it reeks of Jedi. As Elvis turns and looks at Sabine. But many also believe they meant Skull. Yeah, he's... The online discussions, people are saying that, like, yeah,
1: sure, Sabine reeks of Jedi, but not as much as Skull. Like, everybody online, I remember when this episode premiered, uh, people were saying, was she talking about her or him? And because we'll get into more of that, but um, because he's here's the thing: like, we, as we know, he's not a Sith. He no. is not a Sith. He is not necessarily a Jedi. like succumbed to the dark side, if you will. He is the dark- like the first true, like, what we've seen in this uh, live action lore. He's he is really like the first true fallen Jedi that we've yeah. seen.
0: There's gray Jedi, then there's fallen Jedi. He, I think, I would consider. And gray fallen.
1: Jedi is such a weird phrase too, because we, as we, the discussion on, you know, within the community, we're very like kind of what is a gray Jedi real? Is a gray Jedi not real? There's not really a canon of quote gray Jedi, but like, yeah, Ahsoka is kind of what one could consider a gray Jedi, especially now after watching the Anakin stuff, like how she's been like trained. Like, there's so much shit on like great i remember when the gray jedi photo came out online years ago and people were like whoa that's cool and it's like is it real though kind of not really
0: honestly uh, so because she's just a freelancer you know she's just uh, a contractor you know
1: well that's what skull is but he really likes the dark side that's for sure they're just force users at this point like they don't need to you don't need to have fucking jedi in everything Okay, I disagree. Like, well, no, no, no. I'm not saying like to be Jedi. I'm saying like you can just be a force user. You don't have to follow the Sith or the Jedi like construct of what it means. Like you can be a force user and just be right. Like, sure, there's the light side and the dark side. There are two aspects and there are two very extreme like like polar opposite followings of each side. But like if you look at Mace Windu, right? he is he uses both he follows jedi teachings but he's going to embrace to a degree another part is, of the he's force. The it's just the force man the force is yeah. fucking
0: everywhere and it's everything you just gotta it, you don't have to
1: be a jedi let me you tell you
0: about the mail there. let me tell you about the mail mac let me tell you about the mail yeah right <laughs> uh but yeah so they say it reeks of jedi and uh one of them says it is dangerous they use these little orbs that they had earlier and uh, they look kind of similar to the map. So they're in the same technology area and they combine Sabine like they, they, they are, they are, they combine around Sabine and like, like trap her in like this little, this little bubble. little red, like wiring thing. Yeah. And they're like, it will, uh, it will wait in solitude. Sabine is then guided down into the building as she yells at Balin that they had a deal and asks where Ezra is. And Balin honestly looks visibly upset. As Sabina's thrown into herself, because, you know, he, he, made, he made her a promise, you know, he's... Yeah. And it, it, it's so funny, because, like, his attitude is just basically, like, Jedi make promises and break them. I don't, because I'm not a Jedi. Therefore, I'm going to honor my okay. promise.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. Now, the next scene's really cool, because a low, like, loud rumble begins, right? And we see this planet's equivalent of wolves. They begin to howl in front of the structure, right? And this is kind of cool because, as we all know, Balin Skull and Shin Hati are uh, symbolized as those two wolves from Rebels. Like they—they they are the two wolves, like chasing the moon, if you will. Yep. Right. So it's cool to see them. these, these equivalent of wolves before this scene that takes place with the two of them, because it's a great symbolization of them howling at the moon, right? Symbolization
0: I took it for was that the wolves have arrived on the planet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so Elspeth leaves, right? She takes the small ship and she leaves, but Balin and Shin, they're going to stay at the temple and Balin is walking around looking at the planet surface because they're really high up and he's just like staring around at the planet. And he says out loud, he goes, this is a land of dreams and madness. Children's stories come to life. And she is like, I know no such stories. She's because she's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yep. And he goes, you weren't raised at the temple. Stories of this galaxy are considered folk tales. Some ancient past long forgotten. And She says, with good reason. Sometimes stories are just stories. And he kind of looks at her and, and throughout this conversation, he starts getting a little serious. And yep. like, this is that more like serious tone of Balin Skull that we've we've seen before a couple times, because he has this kind of like kind of old man, like giddiness to him at some point. But like yeah. this, he gets like super serious, right? He gets super serial. When I was a bit older than you are now, I watched everything I knew burn and Shin just looks excited. Right. She's just like, oh, he's telling a story. And yep. and I guess, you know, her master never told her the story, clearly, because he's. Well, telling. And I think that's now. really what
0: it is. is she's, just, she's 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 more than anything. She's curious to hear about his past because he doesn't talk about it. He's I know. Yeah. Strikes me As someone who's more who, who focuses on training and missions and their jobs yeah. versus anything else.
1: But also he's opening up to her, which I think is a good sign that, you know, he trusts her. And like, she's kind of like, oh, wow. She's like, he hasn't done this, you know, um. And so she asks, she goes, the Jedi Temple? Like, she's really excited about the story. And he just nods at her and he says, I couldn't make sense of it at the time. As you get older, look at history, you realize it's all inevitable. The fall of the Jedi, rise of the Empire, it repeats again and again and again. So she gets excited and then states, then this is our turn now. Won't our alliance with Thrawn finally bring us into power? And he just shakes his head, right? Like, he's like, that's not what it's about. Yep. Uh the next line that Balin says, I, I will tell you this. This this shows to me that he hasn't truly succumbed to the dark side. I'm just going to sh- say that out loud, like right away. That's that's this, this line right here. Um, but it definitely he seems to have a completely different view on the force. Right. And maybe both the dark and the light side in general. He says that sort of power is fleeting. What I seek is the beginning. So I may finally bring this cycle to an end. Daenerys Stormborn over here. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, you're going to break the wheel. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm into it. I'm into it. Break that wheel. And she says, and that beginning is here. And before he answers, he pauses and then he instantly changes his mood like he's a uh, cheerful nature again and he puts his hand on her shoulder and he's just like ha, if the old stories are true and then nods and walks off and goes downstairs and i find that to be a very strange like just a very strange conversation ender yeah he is i i wrote it down he is oh so mysterious because he really is. He's the most interesting character in the show, in my opinion. Most of these yep. characters we've seen before, he is an enigma. I don't fucking get this guy. Clearly, I've seen the last episode and I understand him a lot
0: more. But, like, woo. This guy's the coolest character in the show, in my opinion. Uh, Well, hold your horses because we're about to get introduced to my favorite character in the show. There we go. I don't want to oversell this, but...
1: There is no overselling it. It's that perfect.
0: This sequence... Might be one of the best character intro scenes in Star Wars since Vader walked down that hallway in, in A New Hope. Like, holy shit. It was, it was like, alright, Legends people, you've been waiting, you've, we've, we've heard you, you've screamed make Thrawn a villain, do it, you bitches. And we said, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have it happen. We're gonna, we're gonna make it a thing. Uh, But before that, Sabine is in her cell pacing around wishing for guidance from Ahsoka. She even tries to use the force on the door. The the door actually starts to shake, but it's not her. Every character that we've seen so far uh, starts staring past the cameras. All of a sudden, a giant ship appears in the sky. It is a Star Destroyer. But this Star Destroyer is different. It has a little bit of gold mixed into it but on the bottom we can see the unmistakable markings of the chimera it flies over the top of the structure and it opens its lower hanger and shields activate we hear uh, motion and movement and we see stormtroopers but these stormtroopers are not the clean white polished troopers that we are known that we know of and love in the star wars universe these are dirty. They are damaged. Their armor is cracked and peeling. It's being held together by red ribbons and gold that has been uh, poured into the cracks. If you've ever seen a vase that's been broken, you'll notice sometimes they put gold dust in it to try to refuse it. That's what the armor looks like, and that's what the ship looks like. It's called, by the way,
1: that is the Japanese art of Kintsugi. Kintsugi, thank you. It's where you... uh take something like broken pottery for instance and repair it by mending the wikipedia thing has great one mending the areas of breakage uh dusted or mixed with powdered gold silver or platinum and it's it's one of those things where it's to
0: show the beauty in the chaos right which that speaks so well to what we're seeing on screen oh my gosh I, this has not been confirmed whether or not um it's the troops doing this or this is just the music but all of the troopers standing there in their damaged gold gold armor golden red armor we just hear thrawn thrawn
1: thrawn thrawn That's so Fucking sick dude
0: and it's like i'm like i fucking hope that that is in in the shot like i'm i'm i i'm fairly certain it is but like the idea that these are his most composed and loyal warriors, but even now they cannot help chanting his name as they know that after 10 years in hell, they're going home. So fucking awesome. It's so fucking cool, dude. And then all of a sudden we see one one trooper. He just turns and instead of the normal shore trooper helmet, he has a gold death mask on his fucking face. It's
1: like a gladiator fucking mask. Yes. And we hear like... We hear a guitar come in and like this Roman style drum. It's just oh. this is
0: the empire.
1: This is the real empire. This is the yeah. empire we've always heard about.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. And that golden-faced warrior, he just simply says, march. And they all start to follow Thrawn down the gangway. And as he approaches, you know, the the the, the party that is that has brought him his salvation. He just says what was first just a dream has become a frightening reality for those who may oppose us. God fucking damn dude. It oh my so god. Sick. It's
1: so cool. It is fucking sick. Like he, so cool. his entrance is the empire of what we really like when 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 I hear Obi-Wan Kenobi talking about the empire this is what i would think like this as a kid this it. is the empire right this is not the rebels empire we kept seeing you know that were just goofy and shit right like this is like the real deal
0: and he oh my god he just walks up and is just like you just everything that intro is like this is the guy that is going to be fighting star wars characters for the next i don't know what do you think like four or five years something like that yeah it's like, gonna be yeah, whatever intense. Whatever they have planned, because I know they announced uh, like a new star, a new uh, like Grogu movie and a Mandalorian yeah. movie. It's like there's, they got they got plans for this fucker. He's gonna yeah. be great.
1: So he acknowledges the mothers in Elsbeth, and we believe I think Elsbeth did come back, or I don't know if she really went to back to the ISM. I'm not sure, but Elsbeth is there, and she says it will probably take about three rotations to get ready to leave because they have yep. cargo that they got to put on the ship. So she's like, okay. We're we're gonna we're gonna like take a little bit of time. We're gonna get ready. It should be pretty quick. And he's like, "That's you know, Thron is fine with that." He's like, "Okay, that that's acceptable." And then yep. he finds out that they brought Sabine, and his reaction is kind of like, "Wait, what?" There's some like it throws a wrench in the plan, but like you know, this is like the best tactician ever. So he's yep. just kind of like, "All right," and he just looks, and the mother said that they did not see it in their prediction, and that to me, again, you know, we're back in there. So here's here's another another example of maybe fate exists, but there are ways to alter it maybe it's more fluid right like, yeah like how how the uh, pathways in you know the world between worlds maybe it, it's like a fluid right like it, it, it's it's a river kind of like how ahsoka got there um yep. and those pathways they go all over the place maybe maybe there's there are options um but yeah like they see the future but also there's parts that maybe they don't see that can get affected right yeah so Skull says that it's his doing, and Elspeth introduces him as a mercenary. However, Thrawn dismisses this because yeah. when he's introduced, Thrawn knows who he is and says, Then you must be General Balin Skull of the Jedi Order. And all of them just turn and stare at him, all the mothers and stuff. And he's just like, and and here's the thing though. Thrawn respects these kinds of past achievements, right? Doesn't matter what side it is. He respects them. He's always respected his enemy. The first episode we see in rebels, he respects the enemy, right?
0: Yeah. The the other thing too, you got to remember is uh, Thrawn does not have a problem with Jedi.
1: No, he doesn't. Thrawn is
0: not the emperor. The Jedi if he could have an army of Jedi leading his battalions of troopers that were loyal to him, he would do it. Yeah? Oh yeah. If he had, if he had to wipe out a planet made up entirely of Jedi, he would do it. Yep. It's just what the objective is. The objective right now for him is to restore the empire and destroy the new republic. Yep. So if this Jedi is willing to help him, I don't care what his reasons are. Yeah. And here's the thing like when the when
1: when he he has his first introduction in Rebels, he Respects the enemy, he understands their history, their culture, all those things. Now, granted, it's a tactical move to understand these things because then you can understand better how your enemy thinks, reacts, all that stuff. But also, he has a respect for it because yes. to him, he's like, I'm not just going to destroy something and like that's it. Like, I need to understand it, but also, like, I should be respecting it. And like, I think of like this is going to sound really weird, but like, I think of like, um, native indigenous americans right like a lot of the times like now they're granted that from the friends i have like they've said like oh yeah when you go hunting like you really need to respect like what you're hunting like you Mm -hmm. need to be like understanding of how you need to understand how it moves how it will react to you when you kill it like you need to be able to respect that and be like thankful you know about it like that's the kind of the same mentality is like be respectful like that's his thing um and, and what's really funny is when the mothers just start staring at Valen's skull, he just looks at Thrawn and he goes, uh, I parted ways with the Jedi long ago. Yep. And he, the first thing
0: Thrawn says instantly goes, you would not be the first. I love that. I love that so much. The fact that the fact that he's just like, he knows, you know, like yeah. there's that theory that, oh, uh, yeah. that Thrawn knows that Anakin turned to Darth Vader. That he deduced it. And I well, love that idea of him know. being he like, Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He knows, you know, Thrawn agrees that Sabine will be of great use and orders her to be brought to him. And when she, when, when she appears before him, he says, uh, I understand uh, it is you that I have thanks that I have to thank for my escape from exile. And she asks about Ezra and he calls out her choice. He says, uh, how that singular focus will reshape our galaxy he's again. gonna he's gonna honor the agreement and he actually has uh, we find out the 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 the, the, the roman empire face guy is named e- captain enoch so it says to uh, take off her cuffs he gives her provisions and amount and the intel on what on uh, the intel that thrawn has on where ezra might be mm-hmm. sabine so is basically like what's the catch and thrawn replies you helped my cause now i shall help yours but he then tells her that once he leaves the planet they're going to be stuck there. He even suggests that Ezra might already be dead. And she retorts, "If you survived, I'm sure he's doing just fine." And then he hits her with, uh, "You have gambled the fate of your galaxy on that belief." Cuz yeah, think about that. How shitty that would be if he if she if she did go all that way and, and Ezra had been dead for like 5 years. You yeah. know, like But
1: again, he even calls out the choice, right? The choice to to show up and i think that's there's so much about fate in star wars but like these choices again are they really choices yeah are they just what's being presented so anyway she makes her way down to the entrance of the structure where she's given one of those wolf-like creatures and we find out they're called a howler yes they look pretty scary right they're pretty crazy scary like a bat dog thing right like they're just Freaky looking. And Enoch just goes, Tota. And it sits down. Yep. And he just like chills. It's like a dog. It acts like a dog. So Enoch tells her that there are nomads that prey on people in the wasteland and gives her all of her weapons, including lightsaber. lightsaber she gets everything yep. back. He just hands it to her. And he says, Die well. Again, these stormtroopers. no
0: on her coming back.
1: Yeah, but even then, like, these stormtroopers seem to be much more war and honor based right like yeah, they're these, different these stormtroopers are fucking different man like just definitely not the type. Hell. well yeah and, and just definitely not the type that we're used to like i said earlier like they feel like gladiators or what we've again always heard your, a storm your average stormtroopers
0: like. were just guys trying to get a job these guys yeah. are dedicated to the fucking cause this is their cause is drawn and the galaxy reshaping
1: and these guys are very hardened
0: yeah they're super
1: like battle like ready like these are like it feels
0: it feels like clones
1: like almost like how like the clones were like even even clones
0: aren't this honestly even clones aren't this because they're because these guys are these guys are fucked up you gotta think about this like i had a conversation with a friend of mine um actually we'll get it we'll get into it later because they talk about the numbers of troops that they have left right you gotta imagine oh, yeah. ten years of of keeping the men in line and keeping them together. You're gonna have heavy losses. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, and you know, and sometimes it might even be self inflicted. Like you know, you gotta got you got one stormtrooper who's sitting in that group being like, "Man, why can't we just go home? Like, why do we have to listen to Thrawn now? He got us stuck here. Thrawn's gonna kill that yeah. guy. Get him out of here. Like he's, you know, not useful. You're 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 not following my vision. I got we're gonna be here for, we're gonna be here for a while." stick with my plan. And I think that he, he would be perfectly willing to, there's a, in ancient Rome, there was a, a a process called decimation where you get 10 men in a group, you pick lots and the one who loses the other nine have to kill him. I would imagine Thrawn would have something similar on his ship just to instill discipline and order with his men. Like you, you are not, if you are, if you're going to be a detriment to my, my ship, you're out of here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, after she leaves Thrawn's watching with the group, he tells shin and skull that they can go follow her and shin's a little confused and says uh that you know they thought that they, they were going to keep their promise right they're going to honor their agreement and thrawn says that she will have the opportunity to find ezra just as promised and if she does they both get to get destroyed like they're both they're gonna die good. you guys get to go fuck them up so it's like ooh, ooh, this
0: man this man and his legal arguments. she's a wordsmith we call it a loophole in the business. So we start to see Sabine take her journey through the wasteland. You know, she's, she's walking along. It's a, it's a rock-ridden, you know, poorly lit desert. The Howler seems to tell her something is up. She's using one of those, like, uh, tracker beacon things that I think Han had when in Empire Strikes Back, and he was using it to, like, scan for Luke's life signs. And all of a sudden, which uh, she just suddenly gets attacked by the raiders that she was told about. She's able to fend them off, for the most part, with just her blasters, but she doesn't actually start to win until she starts using her lightsaber. We cut back and we start to see the ship being loaded by these mysterious cargo... Uh, these, uh, the, the stormtroopers are now pushing these cargo uh, lifters onto the ship, and some of them seem to be, like, I don't know, shaking a little bit? Or, like, moaning slightly? Mm-hmm. We keep, you know, we're not quite sure what's in there, but they look like coffins. Uh, Enoch informs Thron and Elsbeth. Uh, they're looking at a star map that Shin and Balin have left to track Sabine. And Elsbeth asks, "You know, should we send some troops to support them?" And Thron mm-hmm. stares at her, like, "I am the best tactician ever, idiot. What are you doing? Like, don't mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do." She's well, Elzbeth, she's just not used to being like second fiddle. She's been in charge this whole time, and now she's yeah. now she's here, and she's like, "Oh shit, this guy's actually in charge." Uh, but Thrawn actually, he—it's so funny because like he gives this look of like, you know, like what are you doing? Telling me what to do? But then she, but then he realizes like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest here. We do not have the troops to spare, besides the amount that I'm the, the small amount yeah. that I want to send, which gets back to what I said earlier, where it's like this man, he had to do some shit to keep the guys he's got left. So these guys are fucking oh, oh totally. These guys must be the best of the best. Yeah. That he doesn't yeah. want. Because if you think about this, like when you know, if I was Thrawn, when I get into the back into the galaxy, the men who are on my ship, they're the ones that are going to be my commanders in any ground operation that I have. Like that private who survived ten years in hell has been trained up to like colonel level. Like the second they get in, oh totally, second they get back to the real world, he is in charge. He is in charge of his own stormtrooper legion. Like, oh totally, because that dude will be so loyal. It's a think of like commissars you know in in the soviet union army like that guy's gonna be like nope mm-hmm. we are withdrawn whatever your little petty squabbles are done
1: yeah and so now we go back to sabine and she's walking around and her mount comes back and she gives it shit for coming back she's like oh you ran away yeah. now you're back and, and it's like a, you know it's a dog and it's like Eah. and so she's walking around the wasteland and it starts sniffing a rock and this rock Turns out to be a hidden
0: little alien who has great clothes, great little cute outfit. Star, Star Wars went, you know, what we haven't had in a minute a cute little tiny creature that we can make a toy of. They kind of look like a mixture between crab people from South Park and a turtle. Yes, turtle, crab, snail thing.
1: Yeah. And it has uh, the phoenix symbol. And like on it, like, right, like he has like a little thing that has the phoenix symbol and it points at her symbol. And she asks if it knows Ezra and turns out are a fuck ton of them surrounding her right now. They're all most yep. of these rocks are these creatures and a bunch of these aliens. They show up and they all agree to take her to him.
0: Uh, Balin and Shin actually end up catching up to where Sabine killed the bandits. And we get some really awesome introspection from Skull. Because you know, he's, he's kind of looking around until he starts you know, musing about the Jedi Order. And Shin just asks him straight up. She says, do you miss it? The Order. And he says, this is my favorite quote from the episode. Of all the good quotes there are, this is my favorite quote. He says, I miss the idea of it. But not the truth. The weakness. There was no future there. As you all know, this, this was a meme. This, this became a meme, this quote. It did. It's a great meme. And I, I, the first thing I thought was, like, it sounds like someone who's not quite over their ex after a breakup. He's just kind of like, and that's, like, that's, the, that's the biggest meme that I saw out of all of them, where it was just, just people being like, "Do I go back to your ex? I miss the idea, but not the weakness. He then reveals that he feels something greater calling to him on this planet. Mm-hmm. Something is, is, is reaching out to him. And then he actually spots some more raiders up on a ridge and Shin's about to go fuck him up and he's, and it's kind of implied that no, the enemy of my enemy is my friend.
1: Yep. And now we finally get to the moment Sabine has been waiting for. And honestly, I've been waiting for, cause fuck, it's taken six episodes. The aliens take her to their, whatever village you want to call it. Their camp. Uh, and she looks around. Yeah. It's like a camp. It's like a nomadic village. And she hears a voice say, I knew I could count on you.
0: Yay! jabba the Hutt
1: shows up. Jabba hey! up. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. His name is Ezra. Ezra Bridger, everybody. Brid- and, and she, she, you know, he's all excited and he asks about, like, you know, what are you doing here? kind of stuff. And she's like, let's not talk about that right now. I'm just happy I found you. It's such after a good all this time. Can I have that? Me? And he's like, all right, fine. Because he's trying to pry, like, oh hey, where's everybody else? What's going on? How'd you get here? All that. And she's like, nope, just I want you that's it just i want i want to be happy that i got you
0: i found you i was very worried about how they were going to like what the portrayal of him was going to be
1: it was perfect
0: it was he is perfect he is he is fucking perfect you can see flashes of the the kid that he was from rebels but like this is a man who has spent 10 years growing and maturing on his own yeah and it's just beard and everything with the the and he has hair now he's not
1: shaved anymore
0: was the worst look for him, so bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he tells her, he says, "Thanks for finding me. I can't wait to go home." Boy, oh boy, does she have yeah. some explaining to do on that one. Oh boy. Yeah, he's excited to go home, but uh again, she's not telling him jack shit. So, uh Which
0: I remember when that episode came out, you texted me and you're like, like that's such a fucking cop out, and I'm like, "I mean, I get it because oh, like yeah. she's got a lot to she's got a lot to explain, but also like Well, and honestly, for me, it just it just shows how selfish Sabine is even now that she's not revealing what she has done. Because I'll tell you right now, Ezra would not like if Ezra was told this, what was going to happen to bring him home, he would have said no. He would have said, don't bring me home.
1: Yeah, yeah. He would say we have to stop him right now. Yeah,
0: you have to you have to blow up that portal and blow up that ship. Do not let them do not let them come get me. Yep. But I think but also I think that now that it's happened, I don't think he's gonna have too much of a negative reaction, more of just like, all right, this is what we gotta do now. Yeah. Back on the chimera, the cargo containers are being are continuing to be loaded on the ship. And again, I just they're they're sinister looking things, man. They look like coffins and they're kinda shaking and sort of moaning a little bit. Like we're not quite sure. The sound design on this is like good because it's like, ooh, is this just like is this just the vibes they're giving off? Like, is this just the night sisters making noises over there? And Thrawn is, you know, he's, he's he's standing there and all of a sudden the Night sit, the night Mothers approach him and they say they have sensed another Jedi presence. This one arriving on a Pergil. And he says, that is unwelcome news. Dun-dun-dun. And he immediately deduces that it must be Ahsoka Tano. And uh, she, uh, El- Morgan Ellsworth fires back, well, uh, Balin Skull said that he was, or that she was dead. And he fires back, but he was a Jedi. Like, he's already like, yeah, but he could be lying. You know, we don't know what his motives are. He's he's not fully with us. He's a mercenary. Like, we don't know what's going on here. So he then now, he then just says, you know what? I want to know everything. I want to know her background. I want to know her master. Everything. And it was like, oh, shit. Which we're going to talk about that in the next episode, because that's probably my favorite shot from that episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) when because boy oh boy is he not gonna like when he finds out who she is oh yeah he then requests the help of the night mothers he goes uh, night mothers i'm going to need your help one last with one last thing so here we go the battle is about to begin
1: hell yeah and that's it that's the end of the episode so real quick we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back I again, I'm gonna say that to me, it emphasizes the concept of fate, free will, how the force influences things.
0: But not like, necessarily, like, there's so many, it. yeah,
1: yeah, like, there's so many. This, the, the questions I have here is like, is fate predetermined, or are there predetermined, like, outcomes that can happen? And then, based on all those choices, like, because time, obviously, time's now a thing in Star Wars, you know, time travel, time travel. So, yes. How, how is fate influenced? Does the force push decisions in front of you more or push you in the direction of that so you make that decision? Prophecies, all that shit. This, this whole episode touches upon
0: that. I think it's fantastic. I think the just the, the, when, you, when you're making a character like this who you are adapting to live action who has been
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the Star Wars realm for what, like thirty years at this point, I think the book—I think he oh, person first yeah. introduced in '86, I want to say, I could be wrong about that. Um, but the fact that like he's a character that's like malevolently hung in the background of Star Wars for so long, not being officially official, mm-hmm. you needed, but like being a beloved character by you know anyone who knew of him. Yeah, I think it's so perfect how they introduced him. I think just his appearance. Him just casually strolling down that gangway. Everything about it was perfect.
1: Now, I do have questions. Obviously, we've seen the end of the show. Yeah. But my questions, we don't know what's in those boxes. We don't. I want to know what the fuck's in those boxes because that's a creepy thing. The other thing is there's a lot of theories. I will not talk about this theory right now. I will mention it, but we will not dive into it until probably the end of the show. But it's like, who's calling out to Balin's skull? (laughs) That's a great. That's going to be great Um, overall. Yeah, and I want to know more about these Stormtroopers because we find out a little bit about some of them, but there's so many questions about them, and there's just...
0: A fun theory that I saw, uh, which we'll get the answer to later on in the show, is uh, are these Stormtroopers alive or not?
1: Yes. Yeah. Which
0: is an interesting... That is an interesting concept, too, because we know the Night Mothers have the ability to resurrect people from oh, Star Wars yeah. and Clone Wars, so uh we might see we might see the answer to that question but i will say this i like the idea of them being just loyal fucking soldiers yeah. of the empire and i'm sorry not of the empire soldiers of Thron they are so they are there followers worshipers he is their kaiser he is their napoleon bonaparte yeah he is their washington yeah. he is we we are ride or die for you i would also really like to
1: know about these creatures that have been like harboring if you will ezra i'd really like to know like what's their deal what are they what's their story you know that kind of stuff there's just so much stuff about this planet where i'm like okay what the fuck is happening now
0: it's just fun too that like that that even even when you're not in the star wars galaxy there's this galaxy is also weird as fuck
1: everything is crazy man i love it it's all different and strange and and i think they've done a great job of writing like into this like mystical nature of everything yep um, it's it's way more into like that whole uh, mysterious and like I said mystical nature like that's just what it is, you know yeah you have you have the force that we, we kind of thought we all understood the force to a degree. And now they just keep throwing in more questions and wrenches into the whole thing. And I love it because I don't think I, I don't think anybody is truly meant to fully understand the force. And that's like kind of the point. That's kind so of like, yeah, I now like we've that added idea. Yeah. All this new, yeah, we've added all this new mystery to it and it makes it more fun.
0: The second, you know what the force is, they change it.
1: Yeah. Which is great.
0: It's much like taxes.
1: Oh, OK. Yeah. Unfortunately, every four years, it's different. It's different. I don't like it. So, yeah, I mean, my only notes on this episode was. I really think they handled Sabine in terms of like, I don't know, the scenes of her like walking around the planet and stuff where like nothing was happening went on a little long like if you scrub through the episode if you're scrubbing watching scenes like looking in the scene order like it it is a bit of the chunk yeah but like then again like i don't care it's a tv show like if it was a movie i would have been like this is way too long but for a tv show like it's fine um i just it wasn't excitable for me in terms of like i wasn't learning anything i was just like sitting there every every
0: every time we had her walking across the thing arguing with her fucking dog we lost like more thrawn being thrawn that's the only complaint I that's heard. the
1: thing i think really i wanted to see more of that character because i have not seen that character on screen so i wanted to see more of that time so i think the pacing for that was my only criticism but again that's just because i was so excited to be... i don't know if that's how everybody else felt but i was more excited to see that character so i wanted to see more yeah and even i will say even in these last three episodes that we have you don't see him quite a lot you, you get like it's really tiny amount of scenes. Yeah. They're great scenes when he's on screen, but like, it's not a lot, which is okay. But still
0: it's setting it up. I love it. I, yeah, dude, I'm so excited. And I do love these stormtroopers. They're fucking sick. (sighs) these are the best designed stormtroopers we've seen. Hands down. They are. Oh yeah. 1000%. So we are going to get to see, you know, does Thrawn make it off? the planets does do uh, do ezra ahsoka and sabine reunite and figure out a way to stop him we're gonna find out in the next episode of
1: dragon ball z
0: <laughs> and with that we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please take a second to rate and review us on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts it really does help us grow the show and be sure to connect with us on instagram and twitter at the lost cantina Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.